Hello and welcome to June's Book Club. The Comics Pals are all here to talk about a book that was voted by you guys. It was voted by the listeners. Okay. This is the first time that we've put it up to a vote. Uh, in the past, we would let listeners write in with their suggestions, and if we liked it, we'd do it. But now that we're on Patreon, we decided to put more power into your guys' hands. And so we gave you a bunch of options. And this time around, for the first time, my book, my pick, one, Rick Remender's Uncanny Avengers. I, I, I got to say, we're still waiting on some mail-in ballots to come in. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Right. I think, I'm pretty sure I think, there I think there's some chads. Yeah, I think there's some some uh, some fraud going on. I gotta say, I gotta say, and we, I, I'm, I think we need a recount. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, some voter suppression for sure. I yeah. think uh, not everybody really voted, so it's too late. I got my it's people in late. Georgia telling me we need a recount, and that's it particularly. <laughs> Pennsylvania well, as well. We're still gonna do the book club. So if you find out that there was some chicanery that went on, we'll, we'll have to deal with that after the fact. Maybe on the main show. Uh, but go. for to. <laughs> listen that's not for here these book clubs are very (laughs) serious okay serious serious so rick remender's uncanny avengers i say rick remender's because there is a laundry list of artists that are also within the books that we read the issues that we read uh so we read for this episode not rick's entire run on the book just the first 22 issues um after this, it goes into Axis, which is an event that Marvel did, and I don't want to talk about that. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about it very briefly, but not we're not going to analyze it. Was that um, Reminder that did yes, that? Yes, yeah. Okay. And it's the it's the it's technically the conclusion of the story that we read for today, okay. um, but it's just it's its own thing. And then there is Volume Two, which I also don't want to talk about. Um, so oh, okay, interesting. So like yeah, it's, it's, it's very different, but yeah, exactly. It's it's very different. I remember not liking it nearly as much, um, even though you know Rick was still the guy. He was still fantastic. Um, it just wasn't like this. So before before we get into all that, this book has so many artists that are attached. Um, so you have John Cassidy who starts it off, which is super cool. Uh, issues one through four. Uh, you get a little bit of Olivier Coipel with issue five. Daniel Acuna does the, the bulk of the art, uh, six through 11, 13, 18 to 22. And he kicked, you know, he finishes off with 25, which again, we didn't read for this. Um, Adam Hubert pops in for eight AU. Salvador LaRocca gives us 12 and 14. Steve McNeven, my boy, mm-hmm. does 14 to 17. And uh, Sanford Green is on issue 23. So lots of artists involved. When you go into Colorist 2, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a who's who. Laura Martin, uh, Larry Molinar gives the assist uh, for the, uh, the Cassidy issues. Dean White, who was huge Love Dean White. Yeah. on X-Force and is just one of the best ever. Um, Frank Martin as well. Uh, and then Letters, you got Chris Iliopoulos, whose name I don't feel like I see as much as I used to. Mm. Um, and then Clayton Cowles, whose name is literally everywhere, and Corey Pettit. So when are they gonna loosen his chains down in the Marvel headquarters over there? Never. Never. So. He's a perpetual slave. Yeah. Um, so before we get into talking about this book, and I'm sure we all have a lot of thoughts, I do want to let you guys know how you can support the show. As we talked about, this 
was chosen by our listeners who support us on Patreon. If you want to have your voice be heard and do things like get to vote for the next book club, listen to our offshoot show, Palling Around, uh, look at Tyler's cat that's on screen right now for those of you who are not watching on YouTube. Um, let, read our newsletters, which go up every single week. There's a lot of cool stuff on our Patreon page. So I encourage you to go check it out. Patreon.com slash the comics pals. Twitch.tv slash the comics pals. Uh, make sure you hit that follow button if you do head on over there. We stream every single Thursday at 6 p.m. for Pals Pulls and 10 a.m. Eastern in the morning on Saturdays for the main show. So we've got a lot of stuff going on every single week, and we hope that you guys choose to partake. Now, let's let's jump in. So this book was published between December 2012 and December 2014. So it went two full years. Um, and it kicks off right after Uncanny X-Force, which we did a book club on mm-hmm. several months ago. What is everyone's familiar? Obviously, we all have read X-Force. Tyler, you weren't there for that book club, but I, I'm pretty confident you read. One Uncanny of my favorite X-Force. books of all time. Yeah. Ditto. Okay. So other than me, does anybody else have familiarity with this book prior to us reading it for this? I read it not too long after it came out. Hmm. Uh, or up to a certain point. I I did remember reading quite a bit of it, um, but I don't re- uh, A lot of this was fairly new still Yeah. Uh, to me, even on this turn, so I, I'm not sure how far I got. And Tyler, you've read it, right? Yeah, I read this month to month when it was coming out. Yeah. It was one of my favorite books at the time. Yeah, um, same. I was really into it. Anything Remender did, even uh, his Captain America stuff was going on at the time. Yep. To get a little reference to in this. Um, mm. I was reading all that shit. Loved it. So I was, of course, this was at like the height of my Marvel fandom, um, but it was cooling. It, it kind of actually like fell off a cliff because I did not like Marvel's direction after fear itself and siege and all that wrapped up i thought they got weird marvel Mm -hmm. now i was not enthused about um this to me was like the beacon of the marvel now era in a lot of Mm -hmm. ways because it was the only book well this and and remender's cap um that i can think of right now that i really enjoyed and the direction for a lot of the characters just threw me off and i kind of started to feel alienated from marvel around this time um, this is after Siege, so, you know, Norman Osborn's gone, we got the Heroic Age, all that stuff was cool, uh, Fear Itself happened, and that's when it felt like Marvel kind of started to want to get away from the legacy of, um, of Civil War, and that era, they kind of wanted to start making the books feel like books unto themselves, and not so interconnected, and not so tethered to what happened in Civil War, but, this book takes place pretty much directly after Avengers versus X-Men, an event that I detest and did not like at the time, um, but it did spawn this. And so the idea here is that while the Avengers and X-Men went to war over the Phoenix powers in that book, here they're going to try to unite and um, create a confidence among the public that mutants are safe. Cyclops killed Professor Xavier, Shit's gone bad, you know, just not a lot of trust there. And I love how from the jump, from the beginning of this book, that premise 
is not only extremely clear, but it serves as the baseline for all of the tension and drama that we get within at least the first four issues. It's prevalent throughout, but it gives us something to hold on to as the team is built, as the villains are revealed, as everything comes together. That's our foundation for drama. It uh, That makes a lot more sense. Um, I have, you know, classic, I, I don't have familiarity with this stuff. So seeing the aftermath of it only by osmosis through you guys where, you know, uh, Cyclops kills Professor X and, I didn't realize that this was post uh, Avengers v X-Men as well. It makes more sense now why there are so many X-Men included. Mm -hmm. um, that was one of my big questions. Like, why does this feel so much more like a X-focused book in that sense? Um, and I, I had the understanding that it was also coming off of X-Force. So I figured, okay, maybe that's the tie-in. But that makes a lot more sense. Um, cool basis, I think. It, it grounds all of the individual characters for sure, like you said. Uh, as well as that that tension but I think also what it does is it, it it gives you sort of a like a north star that everybody's trying to aim at yeah and um you can see from there where you know Kang's motives come from you can see where um uh Captain America you could again everybody is driven by the fact that um I think one of the more tense pieces are, is when Cap's relinquishing control uh, of the team and you can you can see that he's he's allowing the space to be had for the mutants because of that context and that makes a lot more sense yeah yeah sean sean as you're as you're talking about it uh you mentioned you were cooling off on marvel at the time of this uh post avengers versus x-men and i just looked at what was coming out at that time yo what this is when uh <laughs> this is when hickman's avengers started um yeah it's superior spider-man thor god of thunder mm -hmm. uh, uh uh captain america remender avengers arena real good bendis bendis on x-men like in, in my opinion like this was the start of the last big bullpen of marvel um and i think after uncanny avengers and i think i think axis is the turn because that's where you get like the turmoil internally too um sure uh, so this is like a real reading. This was like a real microcosm of Marvel at the time for me um, with uh, how the story kind of turns uh, towards the end and um, the books start to change. But yeah, this book uh, is a very specific thing for me. And I think, uh, Marco, you mentioned the Captain America stuff. Um, that is one of my favorite parts of this book is to have uh, to see how Steve deals with being second fiddle. Yeah, it's um, cool. Because it's not happy Steve Rogers. Um, even though three of the issues is him doing a whole bit about him being deaf. Um, that was uh, so funny. That was pretty good. <laughs> I forgot how long it went on for. Uh, that's, uh, I guess, rule of threes, but I didn't think it would be three issues. Um, but, yeah, no, the, the, I agree that the whole cap stuff is great. The, I'm sure we'll get into it, but there are a few moments where I realize that the books, there are things happening off screen or off panel or uh, even in the series that need context. Like, uh, was it, uh, cap is away for like months, but really it's only been like a day or something for them. Mm -hmm. Like I was like, oh, that's yeah. weird. And all of a sudden his he was away for changes. 10 years. Yeah. Something like that. And, yeah. and his demeanor is like totally different after that. Um, there are two different Cyclops in 
uh, at some point, like one with the the X across his face, and then there's a one where he has like the OG costume where yeah, like uh, some of those things. Wow, I think, like yeah. are are a little confusing, but they a don't. Little? Well, they, they didn't affect the story, and and I yeah, uh, or at least the the progression and, and of this narrative, but mm-hmm. they there were lingering questions for me. Yeah, and 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 again, that represents a Marvel that's still not quite fractured. Like a lot of when we read Marvel comics now, and obviously all of us keep up because of the show, but like and you know our own individual choices. But like, how often do you read a comic now from Marvel and say, "What the hell's going on? Why is this person here? What's this?" Like, generally speaking, the comics are not so connected that you see stuff too often that has you questioning like what the hell um and that's deliberate i think but at this point that's not the case you know like they had just brought the 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 original x-men as teenagers from the past into the present that's why there were two cyclopses uh like there's so much stuff that's happening at this point and you know again it wasn't my bag i hated what was going on with the x-men at the time like I looked through the list of what was being published by Marvel now, and I'm telling you, there's like three books that I was enjoying. Wow, three to it was four like books. Yeah, one of my favorite times ever. Yeah, and yeah. again, to each their own. Like, yeah. you get the era before this, my stuff. Um, but this is when they started to lose me. But let's talk about what actually happens in the book. Let's let's get into the meat. So the first, the first four issues, the first story, really just introduces the team. And the immediate enemy, which is Red Skull. Um, and I remember when I think it was at a it might have been at a Cup of Joe panel. Uh, I'm not sure. But I remember hearing about Red Skull being the first enemy for the Uncanny Avengers and the fact that he was going to take uh, the brain of Professor Xavier and being just like disgusted. A wild concept. <laughs> Very wild. Yeah, Which I, I don't did know not. If, yeah. Does the X gene even live in the brain? Like. Probably not. It's in the uh, DNA, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, but is DNA. Is probably, I'm not a, I'm not a smart man, so you I don't probably have DNA the in your brain. I guess so. Yeah. yeah. But this and is also he, like yeah. a Red Skull who hasn't been around for a while. Like the last time we had him was uh, Brubaker's cap. Uh, well, this. Got, yeah kind of um, whisked away to the time stream, I think. So it was like also the return of the Red Skull. In a big this way isn't too. even that Red Skull, though. Like, this is Red, This is OG Red Skull cloned body true, true. Yeah, yeah, brought yeah. into the present. Yeah, um, they, they mentioned that he's wearing a, a mask. Right, yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not, um, he hasn't progressed the way the Red Skull we're used to has, um, which made him an interesting foe because we don't know from this Red Skull. You know, like, typically speaking, the Red Skull we encounter is just not like this. So I thought that was pretty cool. And again, there's a lot of turmoil up front. And one of the things I love so much about this run in particular is that it mixes and matches characters that we don't see interact too much. Um, Even the team. I haven't spoken yet about the, 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 the cast, but the team is like all over the place in a good way. Like Havoc's the leader playing second fiddle to Captain America, who's very reluctant. Um, You have Thor, who I feel like this is such a good Thor comic book. Like Thor is so well utilized here. 
um, and he's a badass. Uh, Wolverine is great here, very much carrying on from what happened in Kenny X-Force. He's paying the price for his actions there, here. Um, Rogue and Scarlet Witch, you know, they have beef immediately. Like, the, the, I think it's issue one, Rogue punches <laughs> on, Scarlet on Witch in the face. Yeah, yeah on like site those two. Yeah. On site. <laughs> um, Wasp and Wonder Man and Sunfire join a little later. Wonder Man, um, who, you know, we hadn't seen a lot from. Um, it was pretty cool to see him around. Wasp, who, of course, we all love and made her return after dying in Secret Invasion. Um, and then Sunfire, who Rick Remender clearly likes um, and decided to bring back for this adventure as well. So crazy team. And all of those combustible personalities, like it just starts exploding from the first issue. And I love how much that ties into Red Skull's plan. Mm -hmm. Everybody's plan at that point, like Kang's down the line and Mortis, whoever. Yeah. This, this whole book is them realizing, oh, man, they, they caught us fighting again. Like, <laughs> I got a little emotional. Sorry. Yeah. Said yeah. AVX was done. Here we are AVXing again. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yeah. I, go ahead. I was gonna say, especially, especially like Rogue's uh, uh, use in here, um, a character that has always kind of teetered between both worlds. Mm -hmm. um, Rogue's first appearance is in an X Men Annual comic book, um, and her, you know, being an X Men, uh, but you know, she's she's dealt with. Miss Marvel or Captain Marvel uh, as well. So like her, her inclusion here is great because a she's hot headed as hell. Everyone in the, whoever picked this team was like, yo, let me just get all the hot headed people. Like, <laughs> like until Wonder Man shows up, it's like, oh, there's somebody who can actually, I don't know, calm down. Um, so I, I, I like how the team like on paper, it looks fine. But like when you look at the personalities, like, no, this is never going to work in the first place. Uh, it's, literally the most batshit insane people and then steve rogers who has uh ptsd now uh dealing with that as well um, now well post uh dimension z my um, man's a world war ii vet uh, okay, a direct world war ii vet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think yeah sorry to go off of um tyler's hothead thing I, for me man i i do agree that this team is unique and in theory it should be pretty cool but this this whole series to me was actually really annoying hmm. the way they just argued and bickered and bitched back and forth and it you know if they were f like actually fighting i don't think i would have had as much of a problem with it but it was just preaching back and forth and back and forth I just I got to a point, especially like when Scarlet Witch and Rogue are in the the heat of it. I was just like, God, you both suck. Like, I just started skipping those pages because it's just like this is so annoying. And there's a point where Wonder Man looks, he he does his pacifist thing, and then he says, um, he says, uh, uh, oh, and uh, Martin Luther King says this, and he does a quote, you know, that he knows offhand. And then he looks back at the reader and goes, am I being too preachy? And I went, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the, I, I, I didn't expect Havoc to be a team leader. That's not a character that I thought would be 
in that position in that role he, he's always he's always felt at least of the, the claremont stuff that i've read he's always been he's always been secondary he's he's always been like the runner-up and he's always been treated that way and so to see him kind of leading felt a little weird that was probably the one character i'm like mm, i don't know if you fit here um i think it works but it took me a, a, a second to really warm up to the character i think that's the point i think the yeah. point i think of havoc as a leader it's kind of weird but um i think the point was that everyone here for some reason or another is a fish out of water um because they are in new territory you know professor x is dead the dream has died and that has major significance you know um and i love even having to question and rick remender is so good at this even questioning captain america's motivations here because mm -hmm. he can't stand taking orders you can see that and how much does he really give a shit about mutants? Captain America has been called like they're still calling his motivations into question in comics right now in terms of the, you know, human mutant relations and how much Captain America has done or hasn't done to help mutants. And mm. this is the biggest thing he's ever done to try and help the cause of mutants. But because he doesn't actually understand their problem it almost kind of just makes things worse. And it really reminds me of like, I, there's no specific example, but the idea of like a white savior, you know, like a person who comes in and says, oh, well, I have it all figured out. Y'all are savages. I got it. I'm going to offer you the solution to everything. And it doesn't work. And it doesn't even come close to work. Well, it's the, it's the, the moment where Rogue... Uh, kills what's his face um from reaper yeah and and where it's like all right we got to bench her and have us like well no like, mm. like regardless of the situation the the team right unity in the name the team is is us awards and all but for him the the permissible word the pimple to pop can be uh rogue but let's say it was a scarlet witch or a wasp for me that would have felt different right it would have been like we stand alongside uh, is is sort of the vibe that I would that I would have gotten from Cap in in that scenario because Havoc calls him out on it and is like, well, this is for posterity, and you're you're uh, you're gonna put her aside till we you know whatever the the wave passes and people are less angry and all that shit. Um, I I felt that specifically from Cap and that was a, a big piece of tension for him and Havoc. Mm. I, th I think, too, um, the Avengers is a very public-facing team. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they do, like, regular um, um, news interviews, and they, you know, have PR. the special tours. Yeah, PR, yeah. Um, so I think, you know, with as long as Cap had been leading the Avengers, that's probably in the forefront of his mind. Mm, sure, okay. You know. Fair. And yeah. just the, the dynamic between Havoc, a reluctant leader, and Captain America, a guy reluctant to let someone else lead, was like mm -hmm. a great way of uh, butting heads. Um, yeah. And I'm glad they didn't have them uh, both unmasked at the same time, because it might have been a little confusing. Um, <laughs> but uh, that's, that's one thing I noticed on the scene rereading it. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Ooh, very white team. Um, <laughs> Yo, until you said that, I didn't even notice that. It's so funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, but like th this book, it was like, 
in my eyes, Havoc has always been like the the leader of the B or C team. You know what I mean? Yes. Not like the leader leader. He's a he's a very good lieutenant. Um, yeah. And yeah. honestly, that was my favorite part of this book. Reading it uh, when it first came out was like, oh, there's this B list guy. He's getting shot to the A list. You know, this is like Batista getting into evolution. You know what I mean? Like, like all right, let's see what this guy can do. Sean got it. That was for, yeah. that was for Sean. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Drax the Destroyer. Is, you know that that actor? Uh huh. Uh, yeah, yeah. Never oh, mind. He got into a thing. Never mind. Never. Ric Flair, Triple H. It's a thing. Um, <laughs> but like, just just to just to see what he can do, and and, and I really liked it because it was like, um, I like the flawed leader who's not sure of himself. That's kind of a trope I'm into. Um, and it and also being a life. Summers brother, uh, I'm a flawed man myself, Cal. You know. <laughs> um, so, uh, I do want to talk a little bit about the first arc before we move on. Um, Red Skull, like we said, has the brain of Professor Xavier. Forget about the logistics of that. He's got the brain. <laughs> he it's in his brain, and now he has the powers of the most powerful psychic ever. And he uses that to just go to New York and just cause chaos. Like, you know what? I'm going to make everyone decide that they want to kill mutants. And that's the agenda. Um, And it's crazy to see how powerful he is, even though we learn later that, like, that's not all of the power he could possibly have. But it's Mm. good enough to make Thor try to kill um, you know, humans, members of the, the Unity Squad, Captain America, even though we get this really cool moment where he's like, his will is so powerful that he, he can't be controlled. Um, but even he falls mm-hmm. at some point to Professor X's power. Some of the deaths and violence in this first arc and across the board, but like this sets the tone in a major way. There's some bloodshed and it's not all like superpowered bloodshed. Some of it is just like people getting their skulls cracked by police because now regular humans can see the X gene within people who are mutants that might not even know it themselves. Mm-hmm. It's awful. Please don't do that. And not, no. oh boy. Uh, and not even like just the actual physical violence we see on there. Um, the, the whole bit where Red Skull has Scarlet Witch um, and he's telling her, he's like, oh, you're a Jew and a mutant. You're the yeah. worst thing I could imagine. Yeah. Um, but I'm gonna use you. And it's like it was like it was so like visceral mm-hmm. of like like you just felt the hate bleeding off of it. Um uh, I was like, man, I don't remember the last time I've seen something in a in a Marvel comic that was like that I don't want to say dark, sure, dark, but like it felt um like real hatred, you know? Yeah. And even to see Cap crack, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that that paragon of humanity or whatever, to have him have that moment, too, is that's messed up. It was weird to see him be, like, fallible for a second. Yeah. Uh, like, that that definitely, like, got a reaction. I mean, like, oh, oh, shit. Oh, okay. Cap, like, get it together. And he did it for a <laughs> well, second. this isn't good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it is, it, it's excellent drama for that. I want to show off a panel from, or a page rather from the first arc because it's just so good. Uh, and for those of you who can't see what I'm showing on YouTube right now, uh, it's yeah. the page of That's Havoc great. and Scarlet Witch um, hiding from sentinels that have Red Skull's face. Um, and they're in the light and behind them is like 
you know, these wanted poster type things showing various mutants and their status. It's meant to represent that iconic uh, Days of Future Past cover. And it's just a page of the book. And it looks so good. John Cassidy, I think, is underrated, underdiscussed. I love the art in the first four issues. And I almost wish he did more of it. Kale, I see you shaking your head. I, I, I assume you don't. You weren't a fan. Not a fan. This, this whole series is, with the exception probably of Steve McNiven, um, is just oh, full of wow. art that I just don't like. Mm. Wow. Cassidy, sometimes, uh, I remember when the Star Wars stuff was coming out, that was sometimes like a little hit or miss. Yeah. I thought I thought this was pretty tight. There were Man. moments in these four issues that I was that I was okay with. His Scarlet Witch is alright. Uh, but mostly, man, I just I don't like John Cassidy. Yo, but with the page where he just like lifts the actual brain out of the head, like mm. look. A, even a clock is right twice a day. Mm. You know, a broken clock is right twice a day, right? Mm. Like it, it's what he It doesn't work for me. I wasn't big into Cassidy at the at at the time I was reading this, either. Um, even with like Astonishing X Men, like I, mm-hmm. I recognized it was a good book, but my my issue with Cassidy, and, and I think I'm I'm able to see my issue with it more now after this reread, is that the angles he picks and the shots he picks for the composition are the same. Mm. Um, there's no that, real yeah. variety with it. Um, and there's a bit of face sameness going on too. Yeah. Cunha, um, same thing sometimes. Uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, do draws a sinister looking red skull. So, you know, I'll, I'll let him slide. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know, I never thought about the red skull as an Avengers level threat. Um, and you know, I would say he's not, but giving him a power upgrade like this. Yeah, sure. Um, and so this first arc blew me out of the water. Then I was just as impressed by it now. I think Remender, like I miss him a lot on Marvel Comics because he brought a weight and a gravity to the books mm-hmm. that he did that most writers just aren't interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a gritty, violent, dramatic, uh, dr- you know, intensity that we often don't see. Like it feels so low to the ground. And you don't see characters like this in situations like that all that much. Um, So I was really impressed by and large by this. Um, Going forward, we get introduced to the Apocalypse Twins. And that was like the real... That was like the reckoning of Uncanny X-Force coming to pass for everybody. You know, in that book, they kill off uh, Archangel who becomes Apocalypse. And it really expands on the idea of what Apocalypse is as a a necessity by the Celestials, something that has to exist in order to keep the balance. Apocalypse will be here to ensure that humans don't have the upper hand. Um, And every time he dies, there's a new one. So because we we lost, uh, well, because it wasn't that big of a loss. But because Archangel died, we now have his children, the Apocalypse Twins. And in issue five, they get fucking stolen by Kang. Mm. That's insane. Yeah. I've never been able to forget that moment. I don't know why. I think it's just because, like, the idea that a villain would go so low as to just steal children. Like, yeah, 
Yoink. And I had never, I'd never seen Kang in a in a comic book really before this. So this is my introduction to him. And the first thing I see him do is rob children from the cradle. Wow. And he just palms them too, like two basketballs. Yeah. Just <laughs> like Kareem Abdul Jabbar holding a basketball. Yeah. It's sick. Um, I, I especially like the introduction of the adult version of the twins, yeah. you know, because they pretty much destroy the um, the horsemen that Uncanny X-Force had a hard time dealing with yep. previously. Um, so it, like it really like for people who read that, it was like, oh, shit, these these two are legit. Um, mm-hmm. There's something to worry about. Uh, and I really enjoyed that. And also their designs were really cool. You know? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I wasn't a fan of uh, Uriel in particular, like the four wing concept and uh, something about the face design. I don't know. It was all right. Or is that Eamon? No, Eamon's the blind one. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I like yeah. the blind one. I, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I enjoyed them uh, all throughout. I think this is a great place to just kind of talk about them as characters. Um they have a legit beef <laughs> you know like what they're doing is nuts but their their immediate parents are psychotic one of them is literally apocalypse the other one is a woman crazy enough to sleep with apocalypse and then they get robbed by kang who raises them and is the only father that they've ever known the only parent they've ever known and he is a conqueror from the future who wants to destroy Earth and hates them for being exactly what they are, which is mutants. That's a rough lineage. Yeah. Um, yeah. And to be like uh, almost beaten into submission of it, like emotionally, they, they have to go through all these uh, hoops just to even get a like not even a good job but like oh you didn't fuck it up this time right is is it this shit sucks and uh, you see that in uh like later in in one of the the following volumes where they first go on like the attack trying to get cap and or was it colonel america at that point um and uh and they're still trying to figure themselves out and you can see that they're in turmoil and you you start to feel for them in that moment and then they are like hold on we're gonna go for revenge for kang and then you're just like all right now they're actually just like fully converting into this sort of evil baddies the other thing uh about them that kind of hit me at some point while reading this is like they're kind of an amalgamation of a lot of different ideas and experiences that villains and heroes associated with the x-men have had they spend time in internment camps Hmm. uh red skulls camps just like magneto did um they are apocalypse they have the ideals of apocalypse instilled in them even though they were not raised by an apocalypse person um they're fueled by vengeance similar to a wolverine they have all of these concepts concepts baked into them um but they're children you know in a lot of ways obviously we see the adult versions of them but what kind of adult are you if the only thing you've ever known is pain so while they're they do awful things all throughout rick remender found a way for me to sympathize with two characters who've never had another destiny but this 
never had another chance but this. Um, and and by the way, their powers are crazy. <laughs> like they can slow down time, make you experience thousands of years of time in a second. Um, like melt you. It, it's just nuts. They're unbelievable. The, the way to describe it too was great. It was like, yeah, we have mutant powers, but like similar how Wanda was raised with with magic, her mutant powers were amplified by magic. Right. Um, ours are amplified by the time space continuum because we are. Uh, uh, sons and daughters of Kang, which I love a good yeah. Kang story, man. Kang is, I love Kang. He's fantastic. Which again is another is another way that they kind of, you know, amalgamate several different mm-hmm. ideas yeah. with because they even compare them to Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. raised by a monster. So I just I think it was such a great idea. It's crazy to me that they haven't been used again, at least not to my knowledge. I haven't seen them again. I'm pretty sure they haven't been. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I've trust me, I've looked out for them constantly. I was like, when are these guys coming back? It's like one of those characters, especially in Krakoa age. Like these characters have right or are, are, are ripe with potential. I think so. They are mutants. And yep. Speaking speaking of Krakoa, I as I was reading this, I'm like, hold on a second. This is essentially what they want to do. They want to <laughs> seg like segregate mutants make their own place right and here we are chastising the people doing it because obviously the means through which they want to achieve that are more nefarious um but it's the same end goal and it 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 recontextualized parts of it for me especially like as uh when we get to the point where we i realized that they wanted to get to this planet x or whatever um i'm like hold on a second wait wait, wait. am i a bad guy because, like, I'm yeah, cool dude. with Krakoa. Yeah, dude. You've been a bad guy <laughs> well, all along. Oh, no. <laughs> Krakoa didn't we, also want to. We all don't wanna, know that. <laughs> yeah, they, they also framed humanity for killing a celestial uh, and then caused the destruction of Earth. So there's, like, an extra step that uh, I mean, the, the means, Krakoa the people haven't done yet. The means yeah. are different there. But, like, I, I it, it was interesting to think that, like, that's. Uh, I wonder if there are elements from here that sort of helped ideate with Hickman um, to, to sort of head towards that point. Because uh, halfway through, I'm like, wait, um, I don't know who to root for in this scenario. Like, not the bad guys in, in the sense that they're killing people and, you know, being evil and shit. But the end goal is to create the planet. And when we finally get to the planet, I'm like, hold on a second. Why are we, why are they trying to reverse this paradise at this point? Yes, humans and Earth died. But they have they have this opportunity to progress. It's a big butt, Marco. Well, yeah. big butt, sure, but like it, enormous butt. Yeah, that's a BBL. Is what that is. I'm, I'm, a I'm with BBL. You. I'm with you in that humanity's died, and it's like sweet. My uh, my time is done. Kale's ready. Right. Kale's been ready. I don't need yeah. this. Yeah, need this anymore. Up, the worst thing for me in that scenario is to be a mutant. <laughs> It's peace through a lie. Sure. Yeah. And that's, that's the big, that's the biggest issue, but there are several others. Um, You know, it's a direct counter to the dream of Charles Xavier, which is that they live in peace. Um, And also the thesis of the book, which is that the segregation won't work, that Mm -hmm. we have to find a way to coexist and get through the murk and the, tension and the bad feelings to find 
peace. We see that when they allow that, when they allow the problem to go to its apex, it, it results in, in utter catastrophe. Um, and they, while the mutants may be happy right now, the rulers of them are people who don't know, they don't know mercy. You know, they, they, there will be another war. There will be more death and chaos down the road. It just hasn't happened yet. And you can feel that the mutants are ro- ruled by an, uh, an iron fist because they don't have any type of autonomy. The freaking apocalypse ones were ready to slay them, you know? I mean, in a way, when you describe it that way, it, it feels like classic X-Men. You know, yeah. the the idea of of the minority and the segregation and, and fighting against that with uh, all white cast. Um, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe make the uh, the subtext the text next time. But hey, whatever, whatever. Sorry, it kept jumping out to me. I was, I was reading this. I'm like, I think it's a value, a valuable criticism. Yeah. Well, it's 2012. Black people hadn't been invented. <laughs> <laughs> I would say Rook Remender's time at Marvel is not filled with diversity. No, 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 no. I would say Red Skull's German is like that actually. <laughs> Funfire is Japanese. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, true. Yeah, we got something. Um, yeah, I just there's so much, so much good, juicy storytelling that happens all throughout this book. My favorite thing about Rick is the way that he's able to take the thing he wants to talk about and lace the entire book with it. Uncanny X Force is probably a better example than this, but I think this stands. Uh, as a great example of the way that he was able to take the thesis statement and then just say, okay, well, what if the worst possible thing happens and we just burn that thesis to the ground? What does that look like? And he gets an opportunity to do that here with what happens a little later on where like earth blows up, (laughs) like it just ends. And the, the, the sins of every character pretty much who's here in this book are the reason why that happens. Some people have more responsibility than others, but yeah. And one, one of the things I really liked about this book too, is it felt like an Avengers book, you know, like it, it, it had an ensemble cast with interpersonal conflict throughout uh, yeah. They're in Avengers mansion. And like at the time when it was coming out, like we can have a typical classic Avengers style book. Uh, the Avengers book was like the big event book when the events weren't happening, you know, or it was New Avengers, which was street level at that point. Um, and the actual Avengers books going on right now were Hickman's thing, which was a whole separate can of worms. Um, so this was like, it, I remember reading this and being like, oh man, this makes me want to read, you know, like B- Busiek Avengers. Mm-hmm. Um, except this is just like the HBO version of Busiek's Avengers. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, we, we talked about sins of, of the past and characters being responsible. Let's talk about Thor. Because pretty early on, I think it's issue six, uh, we see the origin of Thor's relationship to Apocalypse, his big secret. And we get introduced. Well, I guess I can't say this is the introduction of the weapon. I don't know that. It's the introduction of the weapon, Jarnborn, in this book. Um, Thor God of Dunder would be simultaneous to this. So I'm curious as to where the communication between him and Jason Aaron happened because young Thor was being really introduced in that as well as this was coming out. So yeah, uh, again, uh, 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 line wide synergy, which we don't typically get anymore, but Thor's hubris and obsession with 
you know, vengeance and the fact that he got smoked by Apocalypse leads him to enchanting Yarnborn to kill Apocalypse, to, to destroy his armor and kill him, which is a very, very big mistake. Um, again, his ignorance of things bigger than himself ultimately leads to catastrophe. And the fact that it's Kang pulling the strings of all of this shit behind the scenes, I can't really consider a better use of Kang and a villain with his power set than something like this. Patience. That's all it is. Patience. And Kang has infinite time for patience. Yep. His, his, his games are so fucking long. Like mm-hmm. I, I didn't, I didn't connect the celestial armor until the big executioner came like, Oh shit. I get it. That's why he even had the armor in the first place was right. to give him a reason to fuck apocalypse up. Well, he ha- he has uh, Apocalypse has the armor, if if I'm remembering correctly, oh, yeah, he because does. he is a sort of agent of the Celestial. Yes, he is a gardener. Oh, movie. I thought it was provided yeah. by the the Egyptian dude and, and all that stuff. Uh, the Egyptian dude Ramatut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who is Kang? Kang. Right, exactly. I thought I thought it was provided by him because that's the long game. He gave him the celestial armor so that he would have to wear it, fight Thor. Thor would be like, well, I need to beat the celestial armor. And then 3,000 years later or whatever, then I have to kill the executioner. Uh, so maybe I read it. Maybe I, I missed I think that. you're right, Marco, because there was a point early on where Apocalypse was like, why did you betray me? Yeah, 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 yeah. And so you haven't told me everything. And he's like, well, I'm not going to tell you everything. Well, the thing is, I think Kang might have been playing that game, but Ramatup might not have been. You know what I mean? Like, well, where Kang... Is even it's the same person, he's playing against himself in some regards. Kang tells Apocalypse that he needs to kill Thor because Thor will kill him later. Right. And Thor tries to kill him, but he fails. Then they get the enchanted weapon. Then he kills Apocalypse, which sets everything into motion, which was a play by Kang. But the Ramatut stuff, as Tyler pointed out, is not a play by the same Kang because they're not the same person. Oh, okay, okay, gotcha, okay. It, Kang's stuff can get really wild. Kang, Kang fights with himself constantly. Yeah, between Immortus, Ramatut, and Kang and Iron Lad. Yeah, Immortus was interesting. Yeah, Immor- and Immortus is. Did you watch uh, um, Loki? Yes. So at the end of Loki, the first version of Kang that we get introduced to—that's him. That's they didn't call him immortus by name but he yeah. serves the function of immortus in the same way oh, shit. oh okay there we go so kang's black <laughs> in, oh, okay. in, yeah 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 yeah, yeah. all right sure so even though we yeah. see him i believe we see him white at some point in here which makes no sense because he's egyptian but you okay. got the horseman in blackface or blueface at that point so blueface. <laughs> uh yeah so apocalypse is more just like a concept here and like a Kind of a, a a prop to get things going, but I always love an apocalypse appearance. Uh, anyway, just really cool stuff. And then Odin, I wanted to talk just really briefly about Odin's role here. Odin feels more like a father than I've ever seen him in any other comic book, where he doesn't really have a role per se. He's just telling his son, "Look, dude, you need to chill out. You're messing with <laughs> stuff that's way above what you think right now. And if yeah. you keep doing this, it's gonna have consequences." And then 
the world ends and Odin's just kind of like, yo, I told you so. I don't know what you want me to do, but I'm walking away from this. And that's it. It feels like uh like like when you when you fuck up and your parents can't you just kinda of go like yep. in the back of the head. It's like I told you. That's my next situation. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> okay. Unreal. Uh yeah, so there's a lot of stuff that happens in between that. There's a lot of conflict, a lot of fighting. I think this this series has a lot of really great action. Sean, can we mention because uh, you mentioned the the sins of the past coming back to haunt the characters, uh, the specific choices of the horsemen I think are emblematic of that theme. Yes, each one of them is something they fucked up. And Rick Remender loves to make like he doesn't just love it. I think it's a mandate in his in his books. Characters cannot do things and get away with. It just never yeah. happens. So when you look at the horsemen, that is a perfect example of what I just said alongside the Apocalypse Twins. Because uh, in, in the horsemen, you have Dokken, who was killed by Wolverine in uh, Siege, I believe. Okay. I was going to ask. Cause I'm like, I don't remember that in X-Force. I be- yeah, I believe it was. Or no, it was X-Force. Oh, it, it was X-Force. Yeah. yeah. It was X-Force. I'm sorry. I'm well, no, because... Wasn't Dokken in Siege? He was because he was in the Dark Avengers. And he yeah. gets shocked by Thor. And I thought he died that way. Yeah, but my timeline's a little, a little, little iffy on that point. It's yeah. been a while, guys. But in any event, what uh-huh. they're referencing is that Wolverine killed his son. So we'll go with that. Um, Sentry, who, of course, was the main villain of Siege slash Void, um, who right. is... Beaten by Thor, dude. Uh, the scenes, the scenes of the Sentry ripping his face off. Oh I was my like, god, dude. this is yeah, gross. And you and I are the co-presidents of the Sentry fan club. Love the Sentry. I've read every Sentry story. It's all good. There are only four. Like uh, there was one recently by uh, oh, Kim Jacinto on art. It was very good. Huge Sentry mark. I didn't love his return here at the time. I actually was pretty upset by it but it's more because i just wanted him back so bad and to see a perverted version of him be what we got um bothered me but divorced from those emotions reading this back he was used really well extremely disturbing uh the way like tyler referenced he rips his skin off his brain is just hanging around super powerful not to be messed with uh actually ends up in a weird roundabout way saving the world um, which I really like in retrospect. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yeah, go ahead, Kale. Well, I have a question about that, but I don't know if you want to get to that now or... Eh, might as well. So early on, he talks about hearing a, another voice. Is that related to how he indirectly saves the world or whatever? The, the way I read it was the void was dispersed from the century at the at the end of siege when he was destroyed and the void just went off into space for the void or whatever right um, okay i think he was hearing the void because the century is the one who came back not the void but the void was still mm-hmm. talking to him from wherever the void lives Century's a little confusing sometimes. so the void was the voice that he was hearing you're saying that's how i read it okay that's but- interesting for some reason i read it as robert blake 
or not Robert Blake. What am I talking about? Um, Robert Redford. This, Rob, the, no, yeah. the I centuries, the centuries, human identity. I thought it was Rob Reynolds. Isn't that? Is it name? Rob Reynolds? Okay, yeah. okay. No, it is. It is. Yeah. I said Robert Blake, but that's Thor. That's, that's Thor. Yeah. 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 But but so so what is it that Wasp says that convinces him? Because that was the confusing part for me. It was like, it. Yeah. His oh. only agenda, like his his agenda, was not to let humans die. Like yeah. he didn't he didn't want to let that happen. So he stops the celestial from doing that by helping. But he's not like he's not helping them because he's altruistic or whatever. Right. That's just what he's doing. And it ends up working out in a roundabout way. Okay. But I love how the sentry, even though he's undead at this point, kind of gets a heroic moment in the midst of all the, the you know, nuttiness. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we didn't talk about Grim Reaper, who was the fourth uh, and final horseman, who, of course, we see murdered here by uh, Rogue. She gets punched. He gets punched in the head and just dies. Oops. Yeah, the dream. <laughs> that that was an interesting. Uh, so, like, when, when, the, when the book started, I'm like, okay. This is cool, right? Right, we're getting this action with Red Skull, and you know, typical fare for what I, I imagine a superhero book to be. And then mm-hmm. that moment happens. I'm like, oh, this is where the interesting part comes in. Is now we got to deal with the consequences of Grim Reaper, but then we don't really touch on it, and it kind of spins out into the Apocalypse Twins and and all that stuff. We sort of get a, re- a, a resolution, but they just kind of, I feel like he swept that under the rug. He's like, oh yeah, we're just gonna give you a pass. Like, don't worry. Uh, was Agent Brand's gonna deal with it? You're good. That was mm-hmm. the that was my my one. I think uh, one of the few critiques that I had about the book was just they they kind of sidestepped that. I, it pays off later, which makes sense. But they they definitely sidestepped the consequences of it, especially for a book that deals with consequences. I think the reason that that happens is because, first of all, he attacks them. Um, and so they're not, there's not going to be like legal consequence for superheroes stopping a supervillain. Stand your own um, rule. Especially not post civil, like they've, they've completely abandoned all that civil war stuff. So mm. that would never be a factor. Um, and I wouldn't say that she really gets away with it because even though that happens, she still has to deal with the internal conflicts of the Unity Squad. And the fact that Grim Reaper comes back. Had she never killed him, he would not be one of the horsemen that they would have to deal with. And we get, in my opinion, I think, the best panel in the entire fucking book when he fries her to death. Yeah, dude. That shit was insane. I could not believe that. I totally forgot about that. And when I saw that page, I was blown away. Was that magnificent at that point? Um, I'm going to pull it up. I think. Wait, is this so, the quickest death to resurrection uh, time frame in comics? <laughs> no, because I, I think because Grim Reaper's stick for the last decade has been this. So he actually true, yeah. re-emerges Vision, true, yeah. in Vision and then dies in the same issue. It's true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> dude's got a gimmick and he's sticking to it. I appreciate it. Exactly. That was uh, that was cool because I'd only known Wonder Man and Grim Reaper because of the Vision book, and so to see this like dynamic helped inform some of that. 
which uh, I thought was pretty cool. Like that, that felt that felt pretty valuable from uh, like a larger Marvel storytelling perspective. Wonder Man's an underused character, I think, in Marvel Comics and in, in present day Marvel Comics. So yeah, I can't tell um, yeah. if that's him at that point. I'm oh, holding up that's, the page that's right now. It's McNiven. It is yeah. McNiven. Is it? Yeah, Hell yeah, dude. I was McNiven tight. drew the most violent pages of this whole this whole uh, book that we read. And that was probably my favorite portion overall. Were the McNiven issues. Yeah. Um, he, he's when I think of events, I think of McNiven. Uh, he did fourteen to seventeen, and this is this is when the the like everything is starting to boil over. And you really start to realize, like, oh, wow, this isn't going to go the way that <laughs> the Avengers want. Like, this yep. is not ending well. For Rogue to die was just like, what? Like, that's it? She's just dead? I thought, even rereading, because I don't remember what happened, rereading, I was like, oh, well, she has Wolverine's powers, so she's just going to come back. And that's definitely not what happens. She's yep. cooked. <laughs> Um, and you referenced how bloody and violent this piece of the story is, Tyler, and you're completely right. There are people getting sliced up to bits all throughout. Grim Reaper uh, slashes through Rogue's body. Wolverine is slashing Dokken. He's slashing Grim Reaper. Rogue stabs Scarlet Witch. She gets evaporated by Grim Reaper. Uh, uh, Wanda and Wonder Man evaporate themselves like it's just insane when when you want superheroes dying horribly mcniven is the guy you get <laughs> with like old man logan and civil war and this like that's yeah. the dude so it's jam it's clearly um and that's oh this is also where we get like uh vision or not vision but uh century ripping his face off and all this different <laughs> stuff like that it's just so crazy and seeing wasp of all people being the one to fight with with the, uh, the resurrected sentry is just like, what a pairing. There's a lot of stuff like that in this book. Uh, referenced it earlier. Characters interacting who we don't normally see. Um, and I loved that, especially with the villains, too. Apocalypse and Kang just even having a conversation. Like, how many times has that happened? Um, pro- pro- those two in particular, probably, like, more than I'm thinking yeah. just because of you know, like the Ramatut aspect. Yeah, the Egypt um, part of it, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the cross-section of Red Skull and Magneto, um, Red Skull and Kang. Like, there's just so many collabs that are fun to me. I was low-key waiting for uh, Red Skull Onslaught. That was that was a cool concept. And I was like, I want to kind of see that. That's, yeah. Uh, you yeah. don't. <laughs> yeah. I know. How is it? I, I, that's one of the critiques. One of my other critiques was like some. Sometimes they they he laid out a concept that I'm like I need to see this, and it kind of doesn't pop up. But it's one of the few. It does happen. It just doesn't happen here. It happens at Axis, which is the event that closes all this stuff out. But the reason why they're saying you don't want to see it is because that event just wasn't very good. Um, unfortunately, for yeah. and I, I I think that is the reason. I think. What we're discussing is ultimately the reason that Rick Remender is not at Marvel anymore. Yep. Because the whole Axis thing was not meant to be an event. It was meant to be the conclusion of this, and Marvel forced him to make it into a whole big thing. It's how they launched Superior Iron Man. Mm. Um, They did a whole bunch of things spinning out of that. Uh, I guess I'll just dive into what it was. Um, Long and short, it's Onslaught, the Red Onslaught, who... um, 
basically takes over and in order to defeat him they like invert him so the process it's like scarlet witch and i forget who else helps but they they invert him and that process causes everyone who was there to also have their personalities inverted so iron man goes from being you know a billionaire playboy philanthropist who's ultimately a nice guy to being all of that but a piece of garbage I think he started drinking again like, too, right? Sorry? Did he start drinking again too? I think, I think, I think so. Remember that. Yeah. He started he makes like a malicious app that allows him to track everyone on Earth. Um, it's basically like if Elon Musk had a super suit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> not far from that. Sabretooth becomes a good guy. Like there's just it just it's a it's a whole thing. Ultimately it doesn't they, work out. They turn havoc to a bad guy. Yeah, and- yeah. Remender doesn't get to finish that, and then it becomes the character assassination of Havoc, which I that was my biggest gripe with with Axis. And it didn't need to happen. No, it didn't. Yeah, that was that was the mandate. That was one mandate too far, and cost us. Luke Luke Cage gets turned too, right? Believe so. Yeah, believe so. Yeah, it's it's everyone who's there, and I, I don't remember who all was there, and I loathed that period. So I don't like to think about it. Um, but yeah, like once the Celestial pops up, and this is probably the first time that I ever seen a Celestial in a Marvel comic. Mm. Um, I was like, okay, so it's over. Like what's going to happen? And there's still a part of me that's like, nah, they'll save the day. This is going to end all right. Mm. They'll be fine. Even when Captain America's face gets burned half off, um, I'm still like, okay, they will they will find a way. Like, there's just no way this is going to end bad. And then we get that fight. Thor and Cap versus the Apocalypse Twins. How fucking crazy was that? Yeah, you know, that, that panel of Thor with the shield. Oh, my which God. Is, it's like the inverse of what we're used to seeing, which is like Cap with Mjolnir. Uh, but Thor with the shield, it was like, yo, let's go. I'm holding yeah, it up it now, cool. and it's it's a fan servicey moment because it doesn't really result in anything, but it's sick as hell. It's just Thor drawn brilliantly, uh, holding both the shield and the hem. Um, and the way he passes it to Cap, and then they just get to work. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. I love that it was barely even a pass. He, like, tosses yeah. it to let it to free Cap, and it, it the way it's done is almost like an afterthought. Mm-hmm. But it works exactly the way it's supposed to. So good, and and then he positions himself, and I, I thought that was real good panel use of like in between the action. He chucks the because uh, he's already seen where the like the what is it the hold and it opens out into spaces. So he chucks it there. He positions himself. He gets into the the right space. He jumps over and he's like, oh, you got played, and opens the thing. And what's his face? Emin just gets flung out into deep space at that point. This is very. I thought that was very excellent panel work. It's uh, Uriel, but yes. Uh, was it Uriel? Amazing. No, no. It was uh, Uriel was Wasn't fighting. Um, Uriel was fighting Thor. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Thor right. kills him. Right. <laughs> That's right. Thor does kill yeah. him, and I love how Thor Thor just keeps repeating the same thing. Yep. Uh, he's like, <laughs> I, I care. I not. care not. Ugh. He's had enough. He's had enough, and I feel like. A lot of the time, Thor is underpowered. But here, I almost thought he was, like, overpowered. Like, he was just handling his business. It was a new patch that dropped. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And he just shoved 
he just shoved this dude into that like portal or whatever, and that's it. Just dead. What the hell was that? That 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 was a, a gripe on 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 the art front because I didn't. That panel came out of um, no. That portal came out of nowhere. It was not same. Any, yeah. I don't know right now what that was. I tried. <laughs> I, tried. It, I assumed it was some kind of cosmic Kirby crackle jumbo jumbo or whatever, but. But it was in nowhere else, nothing in the past, yeah. like three pages. And all of a sudden, that shit opened up. He's like, I'm going to burn your face. And he loses an arm alongside it. I'm like, wait, where did that come from? That was weird. Yeah, I'm even looking back on the last few pages. It, and there's it, doesn't, no... it doesn't pop up. It's literally, it just happens for that moment. He, that, that, was a, that was just there for him to kill him. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. That's really odd. Um, But, you know, again... Now the heroes of Earth kind of know what's going on, and they're trying to help because there's a celestial in the sky, and that can't mean anything good at all. Um, and then Cap dies. Happens. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. Wow. Um, and I'm still like, all right. Well, I don't remember Cap. Like I remember Cap's <laughs> deaths. I don't remember like Cap being gone for an extended period right now. I remember the recommender stuff. So what the hell happens here? And I'm like, but wait, so what's going to happen? And then they just fucking die. Mm -hmm. Everybody dies. The celestial puts his mighty big stepper on earth. It's a big one. Does the Batista thumbs down. And that's a wrap <laughs> for humanity. That's a, that's a second reference to evolution in this, uh, yeah. in this podcast. Rick Remender, big fan. I loved it. I loved it. That that's the kind of finality that I thoroughly enjoy seeing in superhero <laughs> comics. It's like, yeah, fuck Earth and all these other Everyone's heroes. Like, dead. we're done. And it, it it's always those moments, and I appreciate when a writer can make can make me feel that of like, oh fuck, because it doesn't happen often. Mm -hmm. it, there's always there's somebody always comes and saves the day. Somebody always you know, last minute. Oh, I have the ray gun that will defeat the thing out of whatever but this it's wasn't that and yeah. yeah and 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 it was just uh and it was visceral it literally the crumbling of earth and all these heroes and that was so satisfying to me that it made it okay that they came back because usually i have a gripe that i'm like oh whatever you know they're gonna come back but that made it okay the other thing that makes it okay for me i agree with every single thing you just said the other thing that makes it okay for me is that this is Rick Remender playing out the war between humans and mutants, the mistakes that people from both camps continue to make, their lack of willingness to reach out across the aisle, um, the, the, the death of Xavier's dream. Uh, this is him playing that out to its apex. This is what happens. This is the end result. It's, it's everyone died. Well, humans died. Um, <laughs> And mutants not necessarily having like, like yeah, they have a, a, a utopia in a sense, but as we talked about earlier, that's definitely not going to last. Um, it's just, it's going to go bad. And I think Odin actually, you know, lays it out when Thor pops in through a portal and escapes, you know, all that death. Um, Thor, th uh, uh, Odin says, it was always to be this way, my son. Um you merely provided the key to unlock this terrible fate. The denizens and heroes of Midgard allowed petty differences and petulant squabbling to stand in the way of their own future. There is a point in the evolution of any species where they must 
discard their tribal instincts and unite as one people, one cohesive representative of their world on the cosmic stage. Um, and Thor says, you knew this was coming. Odin says, if the people of Earth didn't unite, I had great expectations they would, yet they continued to let their war, their trifling, dip, uh, that they continue to war over their trifling differences. Combat, their only means of solution, too savage to be allowed to join the cosmic community. Ragnarok was their choice. Good. Excellent. Can I bring up one thing we haven't talked about yet? I'm curious yeah. to see your takes. Uh, Daniel Acuna on our... Yeah. Glad you brought that up. Oh, we have a little mind meld there. Um, yeah. yeah, I love Daniel Acuna. Um, this was, I believe, from here... What'd you say? I tier. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I think after this, he went on to, I think, some cap and then went to Black, Black Panther with Ta-Nehisi Coates. He does the second volume of this. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I get you. Um, I love it. I love the the kind of painterly aspect to it. Um, the heavy use of, like, the Kirby crackle throughout the whole series where it's like all this cosmic energy going on which i didn't realize that's what havoc's power was he absorbed cosmic energy yeah yeah um, which was like always running out i know a lot of people are running out of their powers in this comic book yeah well rogue's taking them all that's why (laughs) um no i'm I'm a big acuna fan i am not really okay i never have been um, I, I think I first saw him in an early issue of Jeff John's Green Lantern. And I just oh. can't stand it. Mm. Um, this is probably some of the best Acuna I've seen. But I still saw like hints of um, the that Acuna that I don't like. And I just, man, not a fan. That was... I thought it was serviceable. I don't know that it blew me away. Um, there were definitely, I think, to something earlier that Tyler mentioned, there are, there are definitely panels that get reused. The He has the same... Uh, there's a page where he's running uh, from the blob. And... and uh, sorry? He who? Uh, uh, Havoc. He's running, and he uses... It's the same pose, like, three times in a row in, in like, three or four different panels. All right, like like th- there are moments where I think it, it doesn't always land, but I thought it was serviceable one way or the other. I I, it, I didn't have strong feelings, you know, yay or nay. There's a there's a uh like a darkness to the way that he likes to draw um and color his stuff, paint his stuff, like a heaviness of of you know like blacks and like the characters don't have a lot of like they don't get much sun. Um, and I think that that fits the tone of this really well. It's weird because all the artists fit the tone of the book. And if any one of them had been the primary artist throughout the whole thing, I would have been happy. I would have nailed it. But I appreciate what Acuna gives and how he kind of matches the darkness of the script that he's provided. I think Acuna is great for that. Um, and I really love his action, too. Um, why is it he draws a great blob? And that's what I was about to talk about. What is Rick Remender's obsession with the blob? Like, he just loves blob. Where Even else has blob been in? Uncanny he... X-Force. I don't remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I like him. He, I guess, I don't know. He just, I, I don't know if he just 
<laughs> I think he loves him. He was part of Sabretooth's uh was he a part of he was a part of like the future villain team, I think. Something like that. No, okay. no, no. You know what it was? At the very end of X-Force, there's a brotherhood of evil mutants that they face off with. It's Blob, Mystique, uh, I want to say Sabretooth, and a few others. Um because Blob is just like classic yeah. brotherhood character. He's like yeah. archetypal, you know. But also, you get to see him. Uh, what does he sit on Doctor Doom 2099 in this? <laughs> he completely crushes him. Yeah. Um, and then we get, uh, I, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm not remembering exactly, but I think there's some Wasp v. Blob action, which is, of course. Oh, oh you're, giving, you're giving me flashbacks to Ultimatum. Let's not, yep. let's not talk yep. about Wasp v. Blob. <laughs> I, th- I think one of the, one of the, cool things about Acuna is the thin like the thinness of the lines mm. it doesn't vary all that much a lot of his outlines are same uh the same kind of thickness he doesn't vary it too much uh, and that allows some of the digital colors to kind of shine through because I think he colors himself right yes yeah so I, I think I think that allows him to be a bit more um free with the colors because he's all he has to do is really encapsulate them inside of the the line art in the line uh the line work rather um i i appreciated that i appreciated the colors more than i did i think some of the form or structure of his stuff i i did have a gripe with uh marvel comics limited uh one of my rare gripes um a lot of the acuna issues specifically once marvel ar was a thing remember that sean oh um, boy yep marvel comics limited only has it in it looks like it's literally they just scanned the comic book oh goodness. um yeah, which kind of lost a lot of quality for me. Um, wow. Instead of it being the digital art, which is weird because the the Cassidy stuff, it's the digital art. Like you get the full quality of it. But like those middle sections, I think it gets better towards the end, but it's literally just scanned comics. And I was like, oh, this is just somebody. Did they just take a pirated copy and then just put it on the app? <laughs> it was weird. I've seen that on the DC on the DCU app. No. the On the Infinite app, it has like, you know... Um, What's the the thing the the that like the squid looking thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know the logo? Yeah, yeah. Bro, I've seen that on the DCU app. Oh my god! I'm I, like, no. I think it's I think it's because of the AR stuff. I think they wanted to. I bet you the digital art didn't have the AR overlays on it. Yeah. Um. So they probably just were like, all right, instead of re-adding it to the digital oh, art, interesting. Well, let's just scan the book. Um, which is weird. I was tempted to see if I can get the the Marvel AR stuff to work. You think you I'll, can get it to yeah, work on the comicsology it. stuff? Uh, may, maybe I don't know how it works. I don't know the technology behind it. I'm not I, like I said, Marco. I'm not a smart man. <laughs> you just work in IT. Yeah, <laughs> I don't even know <laughs> if the uh, app is available honestly anymore. We haven't talked at all about Wolverine yet, and uh, I think a lot of the themes of the book come across through his character. And I don't know if I really like anyone else writing Wolverine more than I like how Remender writes him because he really writes him like a guy who's been through the ringer, Um, a guy who has been alive for a really long time, been through a lot of bad stuff, but he's still fighting the fight. Why was he in London (laughs) during the London (laughs) fires? That was that. And it was like, it was like, uh, 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 was it like Fol- Folkman Logan oh, or something? Burn yeah. Folk something, yeah. Oh I yeah, like, yeah. What? I think <laughs> that was an ancestor. So, I think at that point, 
they mention his ancestor and I was like, okay. So I think I started looking for that guy and it took me away from what was going on with Thor. It was, it was taking me out of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was just an ancestor, but I think we're yeah, talking about the big old butts too. Yeah. It was not an ancestor. I, I, I thought it was. That's how I, I think it was. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, oh, I was reading it as Logan himself and I was a little confused. I was like, that doesn't line up time wise, but well, what's his full name? That's a good question, Marco. Yeah, that's a good question. There's, there's no Logan, right? Logan, Logan is James one of his Howlett. names. Yeah. James Howlett is like the name we think is correct, but no one calls him that. So yeah. Um, but yeah, so you know he's coming off of murdering his son, right? One of many, <laughs> like you do. Yeah, he said that so matter of factly. <laughs> he just pulled and, a Casey Anthony, but you know, uh, hey, let's listen, just get into this book. I think it's it's Aaron's run, Jason Aaron, where Wolverine is confronted by like all his children, and they like all uh, hate yes, him. yes, what? So. Yeah, it's nuts. Yeah, nuts. dude's pull game was weak throughout the years. So, mm-hmm. um, and so he, ki- I think he kills. They fight some and kills them, and then he learns they were all his children. Something awful like that. Um, go ahead, I go. recall that. I wouldn't have read something like that. Why do I know what that is? Hmm. Um, I Everyone so, knows I don't read. <laughs> so so Wolverine. Wolverine has been through hell. You know, Charles Xavier is dead. Cyclops and Wolverine's mind has kind of betrayed the X-Men, all that good stuff. He's leading the Jean Grey school. I believe this is the time of Wolverine and the X-Men. Um, so he's there's a lot going on with him. But as much as he's taken on this role of like you know he's running the school he's the leader of men leader of x-men he's still a killer you know he's still fueled by the same things that he's always been except now he doesn't have his father figure his mentor to set him right um and he has to sort of be the bridge between the avengers and the x-men and i love him in that position not quite the leader not quite like the I'm too badass for all this shit guy that we're used to. Someone who's trying to mature but can't get past the bloodshed. And he keeps being held accountable for that. It's the entire book for him. It's Dokken being brought back. It's the fact that him having killed Dokken and there's video footage of that will be released by Red Skull, which is going to set the cat going to be the catalyst for Red Skull's takeover. Um, it's him killing. Uh, what's his name? Uh, 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 Archangel. It's all these different things. I, I just think that's all so brilliant. You know, the the is it okay to murder if you're doing it for the right reasons? Rick Remender follows up on Uncanny X Force and says no, because there's consequences. And I think that's what's great about Logan as a character is all throughout the this book he steps up and he faces the consequences and he doesn't he doesn't um he doesn't try and like logic his way out of anything mm-hmm. he just he just steps up and says yeah that that was me you know it was you know i think i think the most he sort of will give it is oh yeah that's supposed to be a secret but i guess it's not right <laughs> not anymore yeah whoops the killing of of the child um 
the child apocalypse. But I was even I was a little confused by that because in Uncanny X Force, Phantom X saves that kid. That's Evan. Yeah, who he even tells Beast to, hey, uh, put him in the uh, danger room for now. Right. It's like he didn't kill him. So, yeah, Wolverine is taking heat for something that didn't actually happen because they need the world to believe that that Mm -hmm. child is dead. Oh, yeah, I, okay. I think that's just sort of his role is to just take the heat because mm-hmm. he can take it. Right. Yeah. He takes it, dude. Let's talk about Planet X. I'm not talking about Nibiru. I'm talking about uh, the planet for mutants. That was good, Sean. Thank you. I didn't um, get a Sorry. It's okay. Uh, look up 2012 end of the world prophecy. Yeah, yeah. You'll, you'll, oh, okay. All right. You'll be on the money. Um, weirdos. (laughs) (laughs) So, Planet X is a mutant only planet. The Apocalypse Twins tricked in their mind Kang by doing what he wanted, which was to bring all the mutants up to this planet to leave Earth for him to conquer. Except that they don't leave Earth, they blow it up through the celestial, and now there's no Earth. So, Kang's like, Cool, I'm gonna link up with the X-Men that are left and offer them a strategy, uh, the Unity Squad Avengers that are left and offer them a way out of this. And that's when we start to realize there's a second chance. But years have passed. Um, Wasp and Havoc have a daughter now. And, you know, people have kind of settled into what this world is, even though to some degree they're all haunted by the fact that it costs them, you know, all the lives on, on Earth, all the human lives on Earth to get to this point. Um, and I, I really enjoyed this part, you know, seeing that Havoc was willing to risk his daughter. It reminded me a lot of, um, you know, Tony Stark in uh, Endgame, mm-hmm. where like, you know, the snap happens and, you know, he's got a kid now, he's got skin in the game. He doesn't want things to go back to the way they were, but he recognizes that they have to bring these people back. Very much gave me those vibes. Um, and they go through a lot. They go through hell. We get Cyclops. This is the only time Cyclops is really an actor in the book. Um, some Magneto stuff. It's all it's all really good. I would have liked if we kind of sat in that on that planet for a little bit. I, I like the concept. I like the 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 people sort of not necessarily in charge, but like Magneto sort of heading up the the Brotherhood of, of Mutants again. And uh, I I I thought that that would have been rife like a rife playground to just sit in for a little bit yeah i agree i would i wish we would have sat in on a, on a mutant um sanctuary world that was run by a council man that sounds great uh i'd love to see right. that <laughs> yeah it was it, it gave me those vibes heavy the krakoan council um yeah i guess i agree uh generally i'm not that interested in alternate universes but it would have been cool to learn a little bit more about the relationships between characters and how things have changed. Sean, do you I, rereading this? I felt like we were there much longer than we were. Like when I was reading it monthly, I felt like the the Planet X stuff was like uh, like half the story. <laughs> Meanwhile, it's, like it's the shortest like arc issues. throughout the whole thing. Yeah, it's like three issues. Yeah. Yeah. When I got to this part, I was like, all right, you know, okay, fine, whatever. Um, and then it was over so fast. Yep. I was like, wow. All right. Shit. It's like sleeping with me. 
ladies. <laughs> oh my god, get in line for your dream boat. Um so yeah, like Hi, John, obviously. Yeah, yes. Yeah. I'm going to Tyler's house after we're done recording this. <laughs> Got the couch. Um yeah, oh perfect. I love that. I love couches. Um but yeah, so Cyclops and Havoc have a nice moment together where Cyclops says, you know, I believe in you. Like, go go fix this. And Kang's strategy is to, and he's put up, put together like a chrono corpse or whatever they're called, which is just a, a whole host of crazy characters. Uh, Strife, who we're not even going to get into that. Ahab. Um, Ahab's one of my Ahab, favorite characters. Yeah. I love Ahab because he's all like, I feel like he doesn't really do anything, but yeah. every everything he's in, he's such a fucking asshole. He's yeah. such a bad guy. That's um, all like how he's, always, he's 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 this future uh, character that's just not based on the Moby Dick story at all. Why would he be? But meanwhile, <laughs> he totally is. They just don't reference it. He's it's, always it's, got it's stupid. He's always got Rachel as one of his hounds. Yo, on, on, you know, on the on the leash things. too. Like 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 he's getting ready to post a new pic on his FetLife account or something. Oh man. my god, Tyler. Exposing yourself. Um, no, no, no. That's, this that's is the first story. time he's it's, talked it's about FetLife. <laughs> I, had, I, had, I, had a, I had a fake account on there that I, I said I had a boba fetish. Um, then I realized people actually had that as a fetish and I felt real bad. So I deleted my account. Wow. That's yeah. <laughs> remarkable. Um, yeah. accidentally kink shaming people. Go ahead. Uh, Kenny. Uh, yeah. Avengers. So, go, go. so Kang's big strategy is to sh- send the consciousness of the unity squad back in time so that they can prevent what happened. And now that these people know how wrong things go, they're more willing to work together. Hmm. And, I think that's such a it's such a great sort of message, I guess, about human beings. Hmm. If we knew how bad things would be, if we don't stop what we're doing, would we stop? You know what I'm saying? Like, if you knew for a fact that if you kept, uh, I don't know, eating really badly, that you're going to die of a heart attack in five years. Would you stop eating McDonald's? You know, like that's a a very small example of what I'm talking about. If you knew for a fact Earth would end because of race relations, would we reach across the table and stop being racist? Nah, homie, somebody's going to still be like an asshole. (laughs) And that and that. But that's the thing, right? Like there's always going to be a red skull. There's always going to be a Kang. There's always there will always be someone who is beyond reason and reproach and reaching across the aisle. But while that person exists and they're stoking the flames of violence, can you look past that and overcome yourself and be better? And that's what Rick Remender is asking these heroes to do. And they rise to the occasion. Um, I don't know if I think that it would go that way in real life. But they've all been through so much that I think they're willing to get over it. Rogue literally hugs Scarlet Witch. Like, we got to put this shit past us. That's it. We can't do this anymore. You know what I'm saying? Um, would you say that for a Wasp in killing Grim Reaper then? That she would have to get past the, the, the idealistic 
I, I as an Avenger, I won't kill then. What do you mean? Well, because the the she was about to her her role was to destroy the tachyon generator or dam or whatever, and the only reason that they planned her against Grim Reaper, uh, them being um, what you call it, uh, the twins, uh, was because they knew she wouldn't. But in in your example, let's say you put your that I, ideal aside for the sake of the universe or planet Earth um in this case would you still make that argument i think that's a great point and i think that that's why rick remender is the guy to tell stories like this because he's always going to bring that question up mm -hmm. he's always going to be the one to say well the avengers don't kill wolverine does what's that cross-section you know mm -hmm. how how do we judge the wasp in the context of what you just said to me right um i think that if it's between what ends up happening and killing Grim Reaper, Grim Reaper's dead, right? But I'm not an Avenger. And I think that that's kind like, I think Rick Remender says, yeah, there are situations that are bad enough where you might have to kill somebody, but I'm never going to let you get away with that. And so Wasp says as an Avenger, I just don't kill, point blank, period. And I think she gets to get away with that even though it results in the end of, end of the world because she can keep her soul. Wolverine might not be able to say the same. Her soul is in question. Okay. Um, so, yeah. I, I, the, 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 the book pretty much ends from there. We get Kang, the, univ the universe conqueror, um, which was cool as shit. Um, he had wheels within wheels of planning and strategy. Um, he lets the the essence, the blood, if you will, of the uh, celestial just rain down on him, and he just takes it in. He's like, "I'm the man now." What happens to the now. celestial's body? We never get any kind of like. Where are the Eternals throughout all of this? Come on, guys, what what were you doing? I was thinking a lot about Judgment Day uh, while I was reading this. Mm, um, yeah, the, the yeah. upcoming Marvel event. Um, because this does feature the Avengers and the X-Men and the Celestial. True, um, yeah. So that was on my mind. I think that that would have been slightly too much to include, you know, the Eternals aspect. Also, they had no plans for a movie at this point. So, Fair enough. Yeah. Um, Havoc versus Empowered Kang was badass. Mm -hmm. Havoc really gets a moment to shine here. Uh, he's too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We That's haven't hot. even talked about Sunfire. Sunfire is the man. Under underutilized, like, and he's an he X Men member here. right now. Is what? He's one of the X Men in like yeah. the main X Men book. Oh, that's true. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Forget about that. I would still agree, though, historically. Agreed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, if you like Havoc, uh, check out. Um, um, uh, shit. What was the the Havoc book with Mister Sinister? Oh shit. Hellions. Check out Hellions. Oh, okay, right, right, uh, yeah. right. Havoc's uh, the leader of that team, so. Okay. Um, yeah, so Sunfire gets empowered, too. He's, like, one with the cosmic energy. Uh, it's just a, a really badass fight with, with Kang. And then Kang's like, yo, you hit me? You really hit me? I'm off this. I'll see you later. I'm done. And he leaves. Some anime shit right there. He's got all the time in the world, so he's fine. <laughs> 
it's merely a setback. You're absolutely right, Tyler. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's that's kind of the end of that. We see that the the remaining um, the remaining uh, horsemen just walk off and you know go do whatever. And Iman is alive. Apparently, they have her body at least. And that's that. Uh, it's not. It doesn't feel like a conclusion. If you read only what we read and nothing more, it doesn't feel like a conclusion. Um, I, it's hard to blame Rick for that because of the context of what Marvel wanted from him at the time. Uh, the remaining core issues of the of the the series itself are filler to get to Axis, and then Axis is a a, a miss. And I don't even think that Axis feels like a proper resolution to what we read here. Just doesn't doesn't work. I I don't know that I felt that. I, I thought this was good enough as the wrap up. I think some of the individual characters and where they head probably are you know, questionable. Um, to your point, you know the who is it? Night uh, is I think Grim Reaper and the and Dakin, right? They they continue to live and you know they have their bit and and, and all that stuff. Um, but I think for everything else, uh, I, I was I was worried how quickly things were going to be resolved. But I thought it was paced out well enough that it felt satisfying to me. I think if this was where his run had ended, I'd be like, okay, solid. And that's pretty much how I feel about the run is solid. This was tight. I don't I don't think I had major critiques. Um, anything that I did was probably small and you know specific to individual issues more so than the larger story um i i don't know that i would have needed more i think there could have been probably a a better way to tie things up but i got what i got and that was satisfying it's worth pointing out that in uh issue 25 we do see uh the red onslaught i'm holding it up now it's uh so uh oh hell yeah yeah. he's got tentacles too marco the what he's got tentacles too oh hell yeah tentacle gang let's go yeah it's apocalypse it's onslaught with you know red skulls skull and the way he's born here is by magneto actually crushing red skull's head with a stone he picks it up and just drops it right on him and his head explodes and he dies and that unleashes onslaught there's oh, actually a it would uh, still be in his head. It would still be in Xavier's head, technically. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. The the onslaught build a figure for Marvel Legends actually has interchangeable red skull head for it too. No. So, huh. Yeah. Yeah. That's so sick. It's pretty cool. I love that. Um overall, you know, we should get into our, our final thoughts here. Overall, how did you guys feel about Uncanny Avengers? Do you think that it <sighs> accomplishes what it set out to do um how do you you know how do you kind of feel about this as a whole so for me i think rereading it as a one whole thing Mm -hmm. um i think i liked it more when i was reading it monthly and i think it's because i know where the story goes and that really clouds my opinion on it um access really turned me off on a lot of stuff Yeah. yeah um so that it sucks that I have to have to have that. Um, but I got to say, like, the fucking art in this book is so good. <laughs> it's like my jam, the, the kind of art that's in this. Even even Cassidy, who I typically don't like, um, 
reading it now, I was like, eh, I can see why people like it. You know, mm-hmm. um, I like the characters in it. Uh, I think it's some great havoc work. Um, I still think it's a really fun read. Um, but man, if you were, if you were there when it was coming out month to month, this this was the shit. So yeah, I have memories of like. The in particular, uh, the issue where Earth explodes and Thor's talking to Odin. Mm-hmm. I remember reading that shit and like putting the comic down. Like, oh my god, I, I I can't even believe what I just saw. So yeah, uh, how about you, Kill? I I liked what the overall um, story that Remender was trying to tell. Um. I wasn't a huge fan of, I think, the way it was told. A lot of the times, I think a lot of the characters bickering kind of got in got in its own way. Mm. Um, but I, I, you know, especially looking at and, and sort of examining what he was trying to do, I, I, I think I, I do appreciate what he was trying to do um i think i think it's a bit more uh standard superhero fare i think i would call it more standard for now though like maybe he's a bit more ahead of his time Mm -hmm. um this feels like a 2022 book to me uh but um Especially compared to like X Force, I feel like X Force was a bit more. Um, it had real questions. It had real weight within what it was doing, you know, real moral weight or whatever. Uh, where this just felt like more mutants versus humans. Hmm. Um, I I I liked it as a a whole piece as well. I think. Um, the one to 22, I think, you know, it, it sort of leads into other stuff. Uh, but it, you don't have to read that if you don't want to. That's fair. I think based off of your guys' kind of like context for what comes after, um, I, I might, I have the fifth volume, so I'll probably read that. But um, it's kind of, I guess, disappointing to hear that it ends on like a, on like a fart. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, what, like I mentioned earlier, I, I, for what I got, this was this was fun. This was a, a, a pretty good run. Um, I don't think it was relevatory, but I like the questions that that were asked. I did like, uh, for me, the way that the the weight of the consequences builds from you know something that starts as small as a punch killing Grim Reaper. To all of a sudden we have uh, there's this one panel that that sticks out that is just uh, the curvature of the earth and a foot hovering over and mm. you know that that that's a cool way those are those feel like cool visuals to sort of juxtapose you're on the ground it's just one punch to well holy shit this thing is just hovering over the planet of the earth and the you feel the gravity there mm-hmm. um, and I really appreciated the way that it all built up to that. Because I thought it was done very well. Um, this is 
uh sean good good marvel series dude uh again you it's good stuff man i Um, I, yeah i i think um i appreciate you saying that i try my best to pick books for the book club that are not just going to be like you know oh here's a superhero story like any other sure no here's swamp Um, thing easy easy i was on the docket and rick remender is good for that yeah, and I think I, I definitely appreciate that. I appreciate the art. Um, I think one of the, the things I also noticed was I didn't feel the the changes too drastically. Mm. I thought to what you mentioned earlier, everybody kind of fit. And because of that, when there was a new artist, I was like, oh, the style changed a little bit, but I, I get it, I can see it, and I, I don't have any qualms with it. And I, I really appreciated that because sometimes it feels like you go from one page to the next and just, holy shit um and this wasn't that harsh and yeah good stuff i definitely recommend this to um well shit someone like me who doesn't typically have the the superhero fair and you kind of want a a a well-told marvel story that has weight and gravity and can get larger um in concept uh, but really hone in on the individual characters yeah, I think I think for me, Uncanny Avengers is a very good offering from Rick Remender and all the artists who are involved. Um, I don't think it reaches the highs of X Force. Um, I think Rick probably probably had more freedom uh, in terms of how that sort of went, um, character wise, resolution wise. I also feel like in this book, more than Uncanny, the characters can get to sounding a little bit samey um, mm. in terms of the things that they're talking about, the way they talk. Um, go ahead. It's funny. I feel like this book could have used a Deadpool. Not necessarily Deadpool, but like somebody to kind of cut through all that. You know who was yeah. that for me? Was Grim Reaper. Ah, huh. True. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Okay. But but obviously Deadpool was a main character in that, whereas Grimm yeah. is a, is not. So I definitely hear what you're saying. But God, like, I can't believe any... I just said it needed Deadpool. Like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah it it didn't have the the like it didn't have that that oddball character necessarily. Mm-hmm. All these people are very serious. Um. So, you know, that was a little bit of an issue. But, you know, overall, Rick Remender, I, I just, for me, for my money, he's one of the best writers in comics. I look for literally everything he does. And the, my time with him as a writer of Marvel, I really, really loved what he did. Um, you know, Venom was great. Um, he, you know, he did a lot of great stuff. So mm-hmm. um, Cap was cool. Yeah. Uh, it's worth pointing out. Well, maybe we'll talk about it another time. But that it's, uh, JR, that. JR, right? Yes, which I didn't like. Uh, and the the, the villain Iron Nail, one of my least favorite villains of all time. <laughs> I'm mostly uh, thinking about the Arnim, the Dimension Z stuff that I really liked. Yeah, I think post Dimension Z, it's a little. Hmm. Yeah. But uh, I think this is a great event I, or run. I think if you like either squad, either group, seeing Avengers and X-Men come together on a team is really interesting. Um, if you like your comics with some weight to them, but also some really good action and amazing art, it's A-tier artists across the board. No one misses. 
a huge step up from X-Force, which had that uh, other world piece, which to mm. me, the art was really not yeah, good there. Was right. that the, the artist from Low too? Yeah, it was it was Tachini, but for some yeah. reason, yeah, for mm. some reason, it just didn't work there. Wow, okay, um, interesting. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, this is one of my favorites. I wish it had a better ending, but overall, I think the 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 highs outweigh the lows by far. It's a very tight story. Um, doesn't deviate from the path. This is A-class work. Hats off to everybody involved. Love it. Um, we don't know what our next book club will be because it's up to you guys. It's up to our Patreon members to tell us. This book was voted on by the patrons as we discussed. Let us know your thoughts about the book, your thoughts on our conversation. Um, what would you like us to discuss next? Are there books that you want to see us tackle? Um, you know, we're always open to suggestions, although, of course, uh, the way we're doing this primarily now is by vote over on patreon.com slash the comics pals. Um, we appreciate you guys listening. If you want to hear our conversations about other things, you can listen to our main show, which is live on Twitch every single Saturday at 10, 15 a.m. On that, we talk a lot more about like the weekly inner workings of the industry, news, fun NFTs. stuff. We play games. Sorry? NFTs. NFTs. Morbius. Ezra, Ezra Miller. All kinds of uh, fun things happening in the industry. And then on Thursdays, we go live for Pals Pulls at 6 p.m. Eastern, where we review weekly books. So um, we've got a lot of cool stuff going on for you guys. Check out our backlog of book clubs. We've got Recommender Book Clubs. We've got other Avengers Book Clubs. We've got Swamp Thing. We've got a, a lot of stuff. A lot of really good stuff. So check it all out. We appreciate you guys listening so much. Until next month, we're the Comics Pals signing off. Take care, you guys. See you next month.